Tate from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, a show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. How you doing, John Trumbull? I'm doing all right, Darren Patterson. How you doing? We made it through another season. We did it! Hooray, hurrah, kalu, kale. Yay! And in what is becoming an annual tradition for us, uh, we have a special guest here in the virtual SNL Nerd Studio. Uh, we have our pal, uh, formerly of the AV Club, now of Paste Magazine. He's been reviewing SNL since season 39 in 2014. Uh, we all know each other from Boner Stuff, so... Um, Wait, what? <laughs> the reference to the season. Ah. Nugenics with Willem Dafoe. There uh, it is. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, but yeah, you last heard him on uh, episode 139 of this podcast when we did our season 46 review. And he did such an amazing job. Uh, we immediately said to each other, let's have him back every year. So Mr. Dennis Perkins. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. hey, Dennis. How are you? How are you, I'm friend? Fine, you guys. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Yeah, well, you just you knocked it out of the park uh, wow. last year, and we, we had a great conversation about season 46. So we were like, let's get Dennis back again and, and find out what's been going on in his world. You had a very eventful year. Sure. Uh, for, for people who might not know, Dennis Perkins, he started out this season of SNL writing up his recaps for the AV Club, and stuff happened at the AV Club, and then you landed at Pace Magazine. Why don't you tell us about that? How did that happen? Why did that happen? That happened because of some people I've never met uh, at uh, GO Media, who are the owners of the AV Club, and uh, a guy named Jim Spanfeller, and some technically an editor executive editor of the AV club, who I can't even remember the name of and never met. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they decided that the AV club, which was born and uh, uh, lived in Chicago uh, for a very long time, um, had to be in LA. And they basically gave all the staff writers there a, um, an ultimatum, uh, moved to LA and we're shuttering Chicago. And, um, and they they offered them terrible terms and no like a pittance of a cost of living increase. So um, basically, they were just they were just uh, Geo Media was was basically saying that your jobs are expendable. They actually listed their jobs uh, <laughs> listed uh, their jobs uh, as 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 vacant uh, when they were advertising for people to take them over before the contract was up. Yeah. And so I I, uh, I wrote a snotty um, uh, <laughs> a snotty letter that I posted online and uh, just saying that I quit. So um, good just, for you, uh, man. Well, uh, as a freelancer um, and someone who's terrified of of not having a job, it was it was uh, it was uh, against every instinct that I had. But I just I don't know. They were they were messing with people who I really love and really respect and. The AV Club is a place that I love and respected, loved and respected before I even thought of the possibility of working there, and I just couldn't be a party to it. So I just quit in a hissy fit, as I said online, okay. very publicly, and <laughs> uh, not that anyone at the Geo Media noticed or cared or commented or anything. Um, and I was very lucky that the, the 
Garrett Martin and Claire Martin at Pace Magazine uh, saw that and they just said, hey, come write for us. So that's what I did. That's okay. So so they they came to you. You didn't have to go out hat in hand saying, can I write SNL recaps for you, please? <laughs> oh, I was fully prepared to do that. Yeah. Um, but no, they they did. Uh, Garrett just kind of emailed me and and uh, uh, I couldn't be more happy and more grateful. Uh, I didn't miss an episode. Uh, uh, the as soon as I I left when my editor Danette Chavez uh, Chavez left, and uh, I I uh, they picked me up the very next week. I I didn't miss a beat, and I saw I, uh, the Oscar Isaac episode was my first one for Paste, and I did the finished out the rest of the season. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I mean, I'm happier. It's it's screwed up that that happened. Uh, yeah, but a mad respect for doing what you did and calling out what you saw as wrong and so glad that you landed on your feet somewhere else because yeah, we really enjoy your recaps and you've, you've got a, a pretty healthy readership at this point. And I hope most everybody followed you to the new place. I hope so. I think, uh, I think, I think so. Unlike <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, right. maybe Pace doesn't do comments. So I, I don't really know. Oh. Uh, and, and just as a freelancer, again, I, I don't really have readership numbers, but I've gotten a lot of very uh, nice feedback and, and I got, I got retweeted my, my, uh, my snotty little letter got retweeted by um, some high profile people like Pat Oswalt, who I'm an internet friend with. And, nice. and that, that brought me a whole bunch of uh, attention. So hopefully people knew about it and followed me there. So I hope so. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, I mean, Hey, a retweet from, from Patton. That's, that's the dream, right? Yeah. Damn, damn straight. I, hell, I'd, I'd print it out and frame it. I mean, that's, that's not the reason you want to retweet from Patton, but yeah, <laughs> but it, it's good that he had your back on that. He did. So, um, yeah, well, we're going to go all through the ins and outs of season 47. It was, it was a big year for SNL. We started out the year with, uh, Beck Bennett and Lauren Holt, both gone at the beginning of the season. And at the end of the season, we had, Kate McKinnon, A.D. Bryant, Kyle Mooney, and Pete Davidson all leave the show. There might be some other people who end up making this their last season. We don't know yet. And we also had three new cast members start at the beginning of the season. James Austin Johnson, Sarah Sherman, and Aristotle Atari. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, a lot of turnover. A lot of turnover. Yeah. They're, they're like the AV club of late night comedy. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So you tie that all together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but like, I really thought this season was, I feel like the big theme with this one was transition. This, this really seemed like a big transition season from the old to the new. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, much like you said, we, uh, we lost a lot of old cast members. We, you know, we lost Kate, Pete, AD, and Kyle. We got a lot of new cast members. We got J.A.J., we got Sarah Sherman, we got Aristotle. And uh, we also got uh, the "Please Don't Destroy" guys. This this season yes. was like was like the birth of of uh, the PDD boys. Uh, like I remember when people first heard about them, the, uh, you know, people were kind of. I think a few people were like a little dismissive because you know the they were sort of waving the nepotism flags, like oh, they, you know, they just got this because his dad is like uh, Steve Higgins and his dad is you know Tim Hurley. But like I mm-hmm. think. With this season, they've kind of proven that they are pretty solid writers, and they do belong. They do belong there. And like yeah. um, I've also noticed in this season, uh, 
we've gotten seen a lot more of Andrew Dismukes. We've gotten to see his voice. Andrew like, Dismukes. Uh, Dismukes. <laughs> yes. And uh, I like as I was like going through the season and looking all, through all his the sketches he had a hand in. I like it kind of dawned on me. Wow, this dude has a has a really dark sense of humor. Because like mm-hmm. if you look at him, he's like you know like a you know like a fresh faced young boy, but then you look <laughs> at the sketches he had a hand in, like um, you know the Beanie Babies and uh, the the prom sketch from uh, the Natasha Leone episode, and yeah. you know the yeah. scattering remains and uh, you know the octopus that told him he was gonna die in a week <laughs> on Weekend Update. I'm like Jesus, this dude is dark as hell. Yeah, yeah, he he did a lot of good stuff. He kind of continued his forward momentum. From last year, uh, I was also really impressed with uh, new cast members James Austin Johnson, or as we dubbed him here on this podcast, the Cold Open Kid. I think, <laughs> I think it was Darren who came up with that because it, it is it That's just, me. It just seemed that uh, SNL could not do a Cold Open without a James Austin Johnson impression, and more power to him. He he killed it. I I think he that might be the best first season of anybody since like the original cast. Yeah, I mean, I'm still reeling from the fact that first episode, cold open, they give it to a brand spanking new cast member to anchor. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, to this day, I, I'm still uh, floored by that. Like, I don't remember ever seeing that ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the uh, killer impressions, not just Donald Trump, but Joe Biden and... Lots of other people that I'm blanking on uh, right now because I didn't make a list. I think he put a. I think he has a Lindsey Graham in there that he did on an episode. Okay, Unless all I'm right. Mistaken. Um, yeah, I've got. Yeah, uh, he he's giving me serious Daryl Hammond vibes, like a really yes. a, a technician who mm-hmm. also can you know he can do other stuff, but yeah, I have a a, a truncated list, but yeah, Biden and Trump. He did Adam Driver, which I thought was really great. Uh, John Gruden. I mean, nobody knows what John Gruden sounds like, but that was pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who he is right now. <laughs> uh, he was an NFL coach who got fired for being a terrible person. No wonder oh. I didn't know him. <laughs> <laughs> terrible people in the NFL? The hell you say? Yeah. You lost me at NFL. <laughs> uh, yeah, Den- Dennis is a sports fan, and Darren and I are not. So yeah. many sports references will go right over our heads. Yeah. NFL, that's like football, right? That's the one yeah. with the pointy ends. Yeah, American football. Yeah. 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 That's the um, one where they throw around the football shape like a dumpling, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. I got it. Um. Yeah, we know sports. Uh, we also had Sarah Sherman, who was sort of a viral sensation before with doing all sorts of gross-out type humor. Such an offbeat choice for SNL, but I think she really found her niche over the course of the season, and that was really cool to see. Right. Like, I forget who said it, but I remember somebody mentioned that, like, SNL is usually at its best when there's, like, an element of danger in there. So, mm-hmm. like, when you have somebody that's... You know, a bit of a loose cannon, a bit of a a wild card. That's when you're going to see some really amazing like stuff from out of SNL. And I don't know, Sarah Sherman is definitely like the wildest card I, I've seen on SNL in a while. I mean, you know, yeah. like aside from the fact that she dresses how she dresses and she scream talks all the time and uh-huh. her haircut and she's just like such a like as soon as you see her, you notice her. You're like, who who is that? 
Yeah. And like, uh, but she was able, and like you said, like when it was first brought up that she was going to be in it, and like I looked into her past and I saw all this body horror type comedy. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. for, like, how is this going to work on SNL? I mean, yeah. Like, and but like it, she's it, she's been able to sort of carve a nice little lane for herself and do some pretty memorable sketches. I mean, we'll get into it, but you know, Chucky and the meatball sketch and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, her weekend update desk segments really seem to have endeared her to the her audience. And she also really seems to be buddy buddy with the please don't destroy guys because they seem to go they seem to get each other's comedic uh they meshed really well and they they found a good blending of their voices which was really cool to see i mean we got a lot of new voices in the show and there, there were new writers too so i think that really helped i think uh the monologues definitely improved this season as well yeah absolutely yeah they didn't they weren't as reliant on the old formulas so they right. they made a few new formulas but <laughs> yeah, we're still getting game show sketches. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there is still room for improvement. Um, Dennis, anything you want to weigh in on about uh, Sarah Sherman? How did you like her debut season? Uh great. Um, I, I like you. I, I agree completely. SNL uh, plays it safe far too far too much in its sketches, and also in its hiring. You know, we see so many just uh, uh, unique uh, talents who go on to great things after they kind of either get canned or, or mm-hmm. <laughs> storm out of SNL. Uh, you know, you just think about like Tim Robinson, you think about, you know, Natasha Rothwell and Bob Odenkirk and, mm-hmm. you know, people who, <laughs> and Larry David, you know, people whose sensibilities were, just uh they were outside of snl's comfort zone seemingly or or they you know you just have a sense that they didn't get them or they they, yeah at least you know people at snl thought that the audience wouldn't get them and then they go on and you know kind of redefine comedy in different ways um i don't know if sarah sherman's gonna do that but it's 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 it was really refreshing that she got hired just off the basis of what her type of comedy is and also that she was allowed to ply her trade and just get weird with it um mm-hmm. i dug it I, in one review i just talked about you know I, the meatball um people i <laughs> i remember i as it was going through it I was thinking, I first started thinking of Michael O'Donohue and I was like, oh, this is like a Michael O'Donohue sketch mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. the point is he uh, just weird and on its own wavelength and uh, doesn't really give a crap if 90% of the audience is just puzzled and grossed out. And yeah. then I thought, you know, it's, it is, but it's also, it, it's, it's, it's a Sarah Sherman sketch. It's, oh. it's, um, it's good to have that kind of little you know kind of cyclone of weirdness running around and you know every once in a while it'll get on the show and that makes the show weirder and i think that makes it better yeah i mean it's it's just always nice to see a new type of comedy on the show and see the show sort of expand its repertoire a little bit yeah so absolutely um, well, and I, I think we have to address the elephant in the room or maybe more accurately, the elephant, not in the room, 
the third go. new me- cast member for this season, third new featured player, Aristotle Atari, just kind of disappeared halfway through the season. And what's that about? What happened there? Should we send out a search party? Do we need to put his face <laughs> on a milk carton? What's going on? Uh, I mean, I have no idea. Like, I mean, I've looked, I've talked about this on the podcast till I'm blue in the face. But it's, it is weird how in the first half of the year, Aristotle was getting stuff on the air and it was mm-hmm. resonating with people. Like people yeah. liked Laughing Tosh 3000 on yeah. the weekend update. This people liked Angelo. And I, you know, I just rewatched the Laughing Tosh 3000, uh, not 15 minutes before we started recording, and it was going over great. Yeah. People were responding to it. How do you not bring that back again That's over what the course of the season? Would, exactly. Are you axing that just so that uh, Cal Mooney can do Baby Yoda one more time? <laughs> uh, let's let's the less said about that, the better. And, yeah, yeah, but like that is like he has stuff that was working, and even even to the point where, uh, what was it? Like the lead singer of LCD Sound System when he was on the um, the John Mulaney episode, he even mm-hmm. gave even like kind of worked in Angelo's like catchphrase in in one of his songs right, when he was doing it live, right. like. Like towards the end, he says, "Oh, thank you for this," and he did, he did that little two nights. Like so that so the character Aris, the uh, Angelo character is it does resonate with people, right? And then just the then for some reason, like after December or something like that, like we can't find hide nor hair of him in any sketches. Like he was in some stuff, but the, they always got cut. Like they did the Angelo sketch two other times: once in yeah. the Billy Eilish and once in the. Um, Gerard Kai Michael both got cut and like he's just not in any sketches. He's just he's not even in the yeah. background. He's not even like playing bit parts anymore. So it, I mean it's sadly become not unusual to see a show and Aristotle doesn't even pop up at all. You might see him at good nights or something, but it's it's very yeah. strange. And like and there were also I remember hearing like rumors online that like Oh, Aristotle got into a fight with Lorne, and or he like mm-hmm. slapped a producer or something like that. <laughs> but like, it, it, I mean, but they're all like you know debunked. It's like no, that no, he did not <laughs> slap a producer. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, but it is it is <laughs> very strange that like you know James Austin Johnston and Sarah Sherman are like are able to sort of get a, a good amount of screen time and really establish themselves. And Aristotle started off doing that, and just yeah, something happened, and he's just he's just gone. Yeah, yeah. and go yeah. go ahead, Dennis. Oh uh, well, <laughs> Laughing Tosh and Angelo were both. I thought they hit hard. I thought people mm-hmm. loved them. I loved them. I thought they indicated that this was a guy who had his own very specific kind of sense of humor that he was ready to bring to the show. Um, like Darren said, Angelo almost got on twice more. Uh, I, th- the thing that, that <laughs> you don't have to slap a producer at SNL as a featured player to get lost in the shuffle, <laughs> oh, you, you know, know? <laughs> especially with, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Especially with 21 cast members. And if you want to count yeah. the Please Don't Destroy guys, 24 cast members. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing that I have that I'm thinking is that I know that at least he that he did both of those characters prior to coming on the show. They seem right. like, you know, that they were part of his act and they were probably part of his audition. 
and it was inevitable because they were so good that they were going to be on the show. And then you wonder, you know, how, you know, people talk about, um, you know, with a sketch show, you, you, you know, you take, takes things out of the trunk, you know, it's mm-hmm. like stuff you brought with you. And then, you know, you just have to wonder, is that all that's in the trunk? And that's all I can think of is that yeah. he those were his best ideas. And maybe he's, he, he just didn't have any, I don't know. I mean, I maybe it's not. as simple as he didn't bond enough with the right writers and didn't get yeah. a new character developed for him. I mean, that's always possible. It's so, it's such a weird random thing, like who hits on the show or, or who really makes a go of it on the show and who doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's almost arbitrary. <laughs> Cause you, <laughs> yeah. like we were saying before, some supremely talented people have come through SNL and not, really made it on the show for whatever reason. And then they go on to something else and they hit big there. Yeah. And yeah. not just writers. I mean, performers, you think like, you know, Michaela Watkins and Jenny mm-hmm. Slate and yeah. Casey Wilson, you know, Casey yeah. Wilson, just people who are just intrinsically just funny, awesome people, but the show just couldn't find a place for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is all the tougher these days because this is literally the biggest cast that SNL has ever had. Yeah. They had 21, regular cast members, some nominally regular cast members. That was another thing that sort of set this season apart is that we had a lot of regular cast members who missed significant chunks of the season. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I missed the first six or seven episodes, I believe, because she was uh, shooting the uh, that Tiger King thing yeah. overseas. Yeah. yeah, she came uh, back at episode eight, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. And uh, Pete Davidson, he missed a chunk of episodes. I think he, I read he was out from episode 13 to 20 (laughs) because he was filming the movie, The Home. Uh, And Cecily Strong missed the first three episodes of 2022 because she was appearing in the off-Broadway revival of Lily Tomlin's one woman play, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. So a lot of people going in and out. Absolutely. Yeah. And so. 80, I think, missed a couple because she was filming. Um, oh, Shrill? Shrill, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was finishing that up. And and some of these happened because COVID threw a monkey wrench into everybody's scheduling. So you accommodate as best you can. So, but it, but it's, it's interesting that SNL is not – you don't leave SNL to go do other projects now. Now they're like side projects and you come back to SNL. Yeah. yeah. So I that's, mean, that's kind of a shift in the show. Yeah. It's like how you said, how um, I think you maybe tweeted this out where like mm-hmm. Michael Che is still on SNL and he has another sketch comedy show like on the mm-hmm. side. Like, <laughs> yeah, that damn Michael Che, season two out now. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. And I mean, and Fred Armisen did that before him too. Like, he was doing another sketch comedy show, Portlandia. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's so weird when. They're like, I'm going to be on SNL, but I'm also going to do this other sketch comedy show. That's that's bizarre to me. <laughs> and like famously, I mean, it used to not be the case. I, I, I remember reading in the the Tom Shales, the SNL oral history book that mm-hmm. Lovitz basically got fired from the show uh, because he wanted to take time off to do a movie. And Lauren said, we don't do that. Uh, yeah, you know. I think it was, I think it was Mom and Dad saved the world. So yeah, been, he, yeah, he really he really backed the right horse there. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but there was also the rumor that Lauren 
was trying to ensure that his biggest stars like Kate and Adian, Cecily and Pete and would stick around uh-huh. until the 50th anniversary. Um, so yeah. he was like yeah. offering all this latitude to go and do outside projects and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just, but it, it really, yeah, it just, it turned this into a real piecemeal kind of, kind of a cast this season. I, I mean, it, it makes a certain amount of sense because you want to, have a killer cast going into your 50th season and you want to have a lot of big stars on the show. You don't want to be like rebuilding a show on the 50th year. You want, you want the show to be in a good place, but when they've already been on the show for like a decade, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a lot to be like, well, can you stay another three or four years? (laughs) It's like, Lauren, I, I, this is, I I gave you everything I got, man. I can't. (laughs) So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure Lauren wants to make it to the fiftieth season, uh, and 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 God bless him, and I hope he does. And but I would not be surprised if he chooses to hang it up after that, because yeah, I mean, fifty years. I mean, yeah, it's... fifty years. I mean, that's a <laughs> hell of a run. That's an amazing run. So good, good gravy. Um, okay, well, uh, why don't I before we dive into what our favorite sketches were of the year why don't we just refresh people's memories on who the hosts and musical guests were for (laughs) season 47 let's do it Uh, i I got a list here so i'll just read them through as we go uh season premiere uh from october 2nd we had owen wilson as the host casey musgraves as the musical guest episode two kim kardashian west and halsey um that affected things in Pete Davidson's life. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll just say that. <laughs> and he was never the same. And he was never seen again. Uh, <laughs> he really wasn't. Episode three, we had uh, Rami Malek hosting and Young Thug as a musical guest. Uh, episode four, uh, favorite son, Jason Sudeikis and Brandy Carlisle. Uh, episode five, Kieran Culkin and Ed Sheeran. Episode 6, Jonathan Majors and Taylor Swift. Episode 7, Simu Liu and Sawiti. Episode 8, Billie Eilish was the host and musical guest. And that brings us up to the Christmas show with (laughs) Paul Rudd, uh, which was originally supposed to have Charlie XEX as the musical guest, but because the Omicron variant was raging at about that time, uh, and even Colin Jost got it. Uh, they basically canceled the show. They had some new pre-tapes, and then they showed some best of things. And we had Paul Rudd in the studio with Tina Fey, Keenan Thompson, and Tom Hanks. Jay. And Tom Hanks. That's right. Tom and, Hanks and, was there. And Michael Che was there too. Che was and there. And Michael Che. Yeah. And Michael Che did Weekend Update with uh, Tina Fey, and that was that was supposed to be Paul Rudd's fifth time hosting. So that was <laughs> oof. As Paul Rudd said on the show, this is incredibly disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> and and what a shame, because he's such a strong host. Um, so they came back in the new year, uh, 2012, uh, 2012, 2022, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Ariana DeBose as the host and Bleachers as the musical guest. We had another former cast member come back after that with Will Forte and Mainskin. Uh then Willem Dafoe and Katy Perry. Uh, another host uh, reaching his fifth time, uh, John Mulaney with LCC, LCD Sound System as a musical guest. Then we had Oscar Isaac and Charlie XEX coming back to be the musical guest. So I'm glad they made it up to her. Uh, 
Uh, episode 15, Zoe Kravitz and Rosalia. Episode 16, uh, Jared Carmichael and Gunna. Episode 17, Jake Gyllenhaal and Camila Cabello. Uh, episode 18, Lizzo was the host and musical guest. Episode 19, Benedict Cumberbatch with Arcade Fire. Episode 20, Selena Gomez and Post Malone. And episode 21, the season finale, Natasha Leone and Japanese Breakfast. So, All right. Which, uh, so which, which hosts and musical guests jump out for you guys? Who do you think did a great job? Who, who surprised you? Who was just like, eh, they're all right. Um, well, here, Dennis, I'll let you, you're the guest. So I'll let you, oh, you go first. Um, yeah. I don't think it was the best episode of the season, but I really thought Oscar Isaac was just an all-star host, like somebody I mm-hmm. can't wait for, for them to bring back. I, in my review, I kept talking about how he was the new John Hamm, kind of like a mm. kind of like sexy, brainy sex symbol who's just an utter goofball and willing to mm. do all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, I just thought he had he was just pure kind of fun and entertainment. He was just really confident as a host. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a good comparison. I like that. He is he does have some John Hamm energy to him. Yeah, because he's I mean, he's, he, like you say, he's handsome. He's known for be, like intense dramas, but then you get him in into SNL and you find out this other side to him where it's like, oh, he's just like a he's a comedy nerdy goofball guy. <laughs> All right. It's, it's you know, like I mean, we saw it like in, in that monologue where he showed the home footage of him <laughs> from his home yes. movies, like him wielding a sword at like, you know, by the pool. His dad was like cleaning the pool or mowing the lawn <laughs> in the background, something like that. That was that was funny. We had a lot of in the monologues, the host being like, this is where I came from. So here's this humiliating early job I did, or here's this weird thing I did as a kid. And, and it, it gave you more of a personal connection to the host during the monologue, I feel like. Yeah, I think they did that a lot just so, you know, the the audience would find them more endearing. It was like, oh, yeah. they, they were they were kids just like us. I like him now. It gets you on their side. Um, exactly. Um, uh, I mean, as, also, I mean, as far as... Um, Host that I, that surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised. I mean, it was, I mean, I was good surprised and bad surprised. Uh, <laughs> okay. Bad surprised. Like the more and more I think about the Will Forte episode, the more I'm kind of bummed out by it. I, that's like an mm-hmm. episode I really thought would have been phenomenal, and it just it just didn't hit the heights I was hoping it would. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but as far as good surprise, I mean, I think three. I mean, two of the strongest episodes of the season, I think, were uh, the Rami Malek episode and uh, the uh-huh. Kieran Culkin. And, like, it really surprised me at how good they were in sketch comedy and, and how amazing, how adept they were at um, doing, like, live sketch. Like they, I, I, they were both really strong hosts, I thought, and I liked a lot of the sketches from their shows, and I wish I could have rewatched a, a few more of them in prep for this episode. Um I was also, I remember being very pleasantly surprised by Billie Eilish because I had no idea what she would be like uh, acting in comedy sketches. But looking at my best of uh, YouTube playlist for the season, there's a fair amount of sketches from her episodes. So she she really acquitted herself well. I'd say for me, biggest disappointment had to be that Paul Rudd episode because he's one of my favorite uh, people to host. One of my favorite people in general. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I, but I enjoy him as a celebrity. Um, John Mulaney, I always love to see come back. 
I think I think Benedict Cumberbatch did a, a good job. Um, uh, I, I I liked Ariana DeBose episode yeah. as well. I thought she was quite good. I, I thought the Sudeikis episode was great. I, I really yeah. loved seeing Sudeikis come back yeah. and basically take a victory lap. Yeah, that episode that episode was one of the strongest of the season. Definitely agree. I, really, I thought Lizzo was great. I thought I just I think she's going to be an actress, and I think she's going to be mm-hmm. a very very good one. I think she's got presence. Yeah, she had a good episode too. She had a, so I mean overall, I feel pretty good about the season. Um, <laughs> there were a couple places where I was just like, eh. you know, I I didn't think much of the King Kardashian West episode as I recall. Yeah, because well, I'm just not terribly excited to see Kim Kardashian West acting. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that was probably that was definitely one of the weaker ones. Yeah, um, I mean that—that that was one when it was announced. I was just like, Ugh, "Okay, well, this is one we have to get through." <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I was—I don't know. I was kind of hoping out for more from the Jonathan Majors episode. Um, uh-huh. A few other, Simu Liu was okay. Um, yeah, he yeah. was—he was all right. I just didn't feel like live comedy was quite his bag. But yeah, yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. I—I I enjoy him as an actor. I've—I've I've, since his episode aired, I've now seen. Half of Shang Chi. I've got to finish that up uh, tonight or tomorrow. You still haven't finished um, that? I haven't finished. Well, I just started watching it like a, a couple nights ago, and I've, I've had some stuff going on. And I didn't have uh, internet access for a day or two there. So. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah. So I'm 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 going through it at my own pace. <laughs> you do you. I, I didn't mean to shame. I didn't no, mean no, to, it's fine. It's fine. I didn't mean to leave you shame or anything like that. Um, musical guest was, was there anybody that leaped out to you guys? I mean, we, we had Taylor Swift come on. That was pretty uh, cool. That was all right. That was the recording all her old stuff. Right. She came on with the, that 10 minute like yeah. you know, song that all too well, all too uh, well Taylor's version. Um, uh, I yeah. um, and I remember liking Ed Sheeran. I, I enjoy his stuff. Um, uh, I really like Brandy Carlisle. I, I thought she really brought mm-hmm. it. And, I remember uh, being impressed with her. Um, Katy Perry is always an interesting performer. Uh, she's not exactly my type of music, but she's so flamboyant and so uh, I don't know. She's she's just a very unique uh, performer. So she's always interesting to see, even if it's not entirely my thing. I remember like an LCD sound system. They were good. Yeah, I would say my favorites were like probably Brandy Carlisle. Uh, bleachers. I enjoyed the bleachers mm-hmm. performances quite a bit. And I don't think um, I remember bleachers anymore. <laughs> bleachers, like they kind of sounded like. Uh, I mean, everybody kind of gave them crap for sounding exactly like Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Oh, had, oh, yes. Okay, I remember their number now. It had yeah. a very uh, Eddie and the Cruisers vibe to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very much so. And um, I like Japanese Breakfast. I'll give it that to them. And uh, oh, uh, Arcade Fire. I liked Arcade Fire. I liked. Yeah. So that was. That was fun. Not not yeah. a bad year for the the musical guests. I a lot of them I wasn't ultra familiar with beforehand. Uh, I think that's just more a reflection of my aging than anything else than like the show's bookings. So <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, just to be predictable, I I my tops were Arcade Fire and LCD Sound System since I'm old and white. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they're they were great. Uh, they were really yeah. good. They were both doing kind of comeback stuff, and I thought it was much much better than it had any right to be. 
And the Taylor thing I really liked because it was an event, you know, it was a yeah. SNL doesn't do that. It doesn't really carve out, you know, space for a musical guest anymore to really be a centerpiece. And, uh, yeah. but it's Taylor. So they gave it to her and, uh, it was great. I thought, I, th- I cool. think they'll do that when it's like a super big name, like, yeah. like Taylor Swift or when I think when the last time they had Prince on, he yeah. did like two numbers at the end of yeah. the show. I mean, if it's somebody super huge like Taylor Swift or Prince or Paul McCartney or whomever, that they'll give him a little more real estate in the show. Absolutely. Plus, yeah. it, it's really, uh, <laughs> it's really interesting. I did the the research on this. I didn't know it beforehand, but um, that uh, it's really interesting that Jake Gyllenhaal hosted later in the season because that song is apparently about Jake Gyllenhaal breaking up with Taylor Swift. Yes. And and Dionne Warwick actually weighed in on Twitter. She was like, that young man should return Taylor's scarf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we were all wondering, oh, like when Jake Gyllenhaal hosted, like, oh, are they going to bring up the scarf? Right. And they never did. I was like, cowards, (laughs) bring up the scarf. Yeah. I wonder if they like chose not to do it. I wonder if they had something that they were thinking of touching on it and it just didn't make it in the show. Or if maybe Jake said like, Hey, could we not do this? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm perversely curious about the backstory of that. And I don't know why, cause I'm not really invested in Taylor Swift's love life. Mm, yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm look, I'm, I'm nearly 50. It would be weird if I was invested in yeah, Taylor yeah. Swift's love life. Yeah. You would definitely get put on a list. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I am not the target audience to have like a, a parasocial relationship with Taylor Swift. <laughs> Cops keep knocking on your door, sir. Can we talk to you for a minute? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is not right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to take that laptop from you. Yeah. I w- when we had uh, Taylor Swift on the show when we had I shouldn't say that when when <laughs> they had Taylor Swift on the show I had to call in uh, my friend. Uh, uh, Rini, who who is like in her 30s and, and grew up with Taylor Swift, I, I was just like, okay, give me the basics on what's going on with her and what she's doing now, because I just want to make sure I get this right and don't make stupid, ignorant mistakes. And and she was nice enough to give me a primer on that. So very nice. All right, so guys, do you want to get into uh, what our favorite sketches were of season 47? Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're going to modify what we did last year a little bit. Last year we did, we we all picked a top five sketches. We ran kind of long with that. <laughs> so we're, we're cutting it back a little bit. We're going to do a top three. Uh, we're including pretty much everything into our definition of sketches. We're going to have pre-tapes. We're going to have live sketches. We You can pick an update piece. Um our only real rule is we're not going to include cut for time sketches as great as some of those might be. We figure it's not a quite a real SNL sketch unless it's on the air. Does that sound good to everybody? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Um, and we're going to, we're going to run through uh, Dennis. Since you're our guest, you're going to go first, then we'll have <laughs> Darren, then me, and we'll just rotate around with right. our picks and we'll, um, I've got a list of writers up. We'll tr- I'll try to credit the writers wherever we can. Uh, if a sketch is uncredited, we are just going to assume that the sketch was written by Akira Yashimura, Q Card Wally, <laughs> and or uh, Abraham Lincoln, the llamas, and the showgirls who are always hanging around backstage. So 
tip of the hat to them. Mm-hmm. So, Dennis, why don't you start us off? What's what's your first pick for one of the, the your top three sketches of season forty seven? Uh, you know, I, getting into this, I I, re, I went back and I did my homework, and I, that meant rereading every every review I did this year. And I'm, first of all, I just want to say I'm so sorry. I, run, <laughs> I write so long. Uh, <laughs> Who would read all that nonsense <laughs> anyway? But uh, well, we don't know anything about rambling about Saturday Night Live, Dennis. Nope, there's so much. But I'm just gonna pick one, uh, just because I rewatching it, rereading, and I just uh, tickles me to no end. It's got to be Monkey Judge. Ooh, uh, oh, from John the John Mulaney Mulaney episode. episode. <laughs> um, nice. I love John Mulaney anyway, and. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wrote my review. I, I don't know if John Mulaney would take this as a compliment, but I really couldn't think of anybody better to play a monkey judge. Uh, there's just something about his kind of kind of very presentational kind of verbosity, uh-huh. you know, that that combined with the the, the monkey. <laughs> In case anyone can't figure it out, it's a it's a it's a sketch about a, a courtroom sketch where the judge is a monkey. And it's John Mulaney and uh, the way that he, his, his kind of verbal style meshed with the monkeys, very monkey like approach to his job and other people. And, and he's also signing everything as he's going, he's signing to the lawyers and yeah. <laughs> and just, um, yeah, it just, it won't, you know, it, uh, his, his bailiff approaches and he just, he grabs the bailiff's badge and says, mm-hmm. like, uh, I would like the record to show that he had the shiny thing and now the shiny thing is mine. <laughs> Thus that, I have achieved dominance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. It just, it uh, sometimes, you know, there's all kinds of heady brainy political stuff this season to get into, but, but sometimes they're just a really well executed, dumb, dumb idea. Yeah. Um, really really works on snl and uh Mulaney was was absolutely perfect as a monkey judge i hope i hope should he hear this he would take that as 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 a, a praise Mulaney's really good at doing smart dumb comedy or maybe dumb <laughs> smart comedy i'm not sure which it is but that that's like where he lives absolutely yeah. <laughs> i mean just because like i mean it, it is a very simple premise a monkey as a judge and i could see in somebody else's hands this sketch could just be just totally fall flat like you know it, it, yeah. it like it but Mulaney like you said Mulaney just has the the charm and the way to write it to, to and he really sells it and it works like yeah. in, in anybody else's hands this could have been a, a, a turd but like <laughs> you know uh but yeah but I mean that, that he would throw that he would throw to show dominance yes <laughs> yeah but like <laughs> But yeah, like this, this, this uh, sketch was just the right amount of silly, dumb, and also kind of smart that it, it did work for me. I, I did enjoy this sketch. Quite yeah, uh, I've got the writing credits for uh, Monkey Trial. It was uh, John Mulaney, uh, <laughs> Simon Rich, who I know is a former SNL writer from uh, Mulaney's era. I think he's he's gone on to create a few uh, TV shows since. So I think he was coming back as a guest writer, most likely. Uh, and we also had an assist from. The Please Don't Destroy guys, Martin Harley, uh, <laughs> John Higgins, and Ben Marshall. So, yeah, great job, guys. Absolutely. Here, here. All right. Well, Darren, what's what's your for, first choice? Uh, all right. Well, see, now that you mentioned that we could also include weekend update segments, I'm thinking, should I? 
But I mean, that's more. Go of for it. Mm, actually, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I originally wrote. Um, okay. I'm gonna go with uh, again from one of the more stronger episodes, uh, mattress store from the Rami Malik <laughs> episode. Nice. I. I- I'm glad one. you picked that because I very nearly put that on my list and I didn't have time to rewatch it. So I'm glad you included it. Woo! All right. Right. Yeah. Made the right choice. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, it's a, it's a simple premise. The couple goes to uh, a mattress store to look for mattresses. And then, like, as they try out mattresses, they sort of recreate the scenarios that would happen if they took the mattress home. And, like, <laughs> Rami Malik is totally, the, like, his commitment to these sketches is. It's pretty insane, and like you know, and we get to see them arguing, and like, oh, you're you're back home from your whores, and I don't know, and the way it escalates to the point where they get into fights, and then they angrily go to sleep, and then Rami Malek masturbates himself to sleep because he's not going to get sex with his wife, and then even to, and then it crescendos to the point where he's they're like, oh, I heard somebody break into the house, quick, get the gun. And then they pull a gun from <laughs> from underneath and the pillow. They they kill the intruder, don't they? I think so. Yeah. And then that gets yeah. that gets her hot. And then they have sex in the mattress store. And the fact that like Bowen is the straight man throughout all this and asking what <laughs> yes. is happening is another you know nice little piece of icing on this cake because you know Bowen's really the straight man. I mean, and yeah, I don't know. This, yeah. I just thought this was really well executed. Um, and I don't know this this I mean this was a pretty classic sketch. I think. I, I 100% co-sign on that. Um, that was that was one of my favorites. I put that on my best of uh, list that I do throughout the season. Uh, that was that was great. Uh, the writers on that, by the way, A.D. Bryant, uh, Martin Harrelly, uh, John Higgins, Ben Marshall, and Celeste Yim. And oh. wow, and just yeah, performed the hell out of by A.D. Bryant, uh, yeah. uh, Rami Malek. Uh, who went to my alma mater, the University of Enzo. I just want to throw that in whenever oh. possible. Uh, UE shout out. Hi, Scott. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and and Bowen Yang was great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's great seeing Bowen Yang play the straight man in the sketch and not just be like, I'm the outrageous one. <laughs> it's nice to see his range, I guess. Absolutely. And yeah. any sketch that lets uh, AD uh, belt out the line, you reek of vermouth and whores. Sure. <laughs> vermouth. Do people still drink that? <laughs> the, 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 the specifics of that line. I mean, that's yeah. just, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's gorgeous comedy writing, man. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, all right. Well, my first uh, choice is another one from early on in the season. This is from the Jason Sudeikis episode. This was a recurring sketch, Science Room. Ah, <laughs> this gonna... is uh, Jason Sudeikis plays a Mister Wizard type uh, <laughs> host of a, a science educational science program with deeply deeply stupid kids played by Mikey Day and Cecily Strong. And he just gradually loses his shit. They've done this sketch like three, maybe four times. I remember, I think they first did it with Sam Rockwell a couple years ago. Right. Yep. And I think he swore in that sketch too. He did. He he, like Sam Rockwell dropped an F bomb. He said, you cannot (laughs) be this fucking stupid. (laughs) And, and part of the beauty of this iteration of science room was 
somebody flubbed a line and Jason Sudeikis covered it beautifully. Um, I think Melissa Villasenor playing I, the mother of Cecily's character, she mispronounced her daughter's name and Jason Sudeikis just rolled with it. He was like, what? She's called this? She's been saying this half the time. Right. Because <laughs> I think in the sketch, uh, Mel- uh, Cecily's character's name was Lonnie. And then yeah. Melissa screws up and calls her Loney. Yeah. And then yeah, and then Jason just picks that up and is like, Loney, your name's Loney? I've been calling you Lo- yeah. Lonnie Loney? And like is you, And you, you see yeah. you see Cecily and I think Melissa break a little bit. Yeah. And oh, it's gorgeous. It, I uh, that's when SNL is at its best. When you have a bit of a a flub or something unexpected happens. The actors maybe break a little bit, but they don't break enough to ruin the sketch, but it really drives home that it's live and it's spontaneous and, Oh God, I love this. Yeah. And that's, and it's I, a recurring thing that they haven't beaten into the ground, which is no. awesome. And that's what's, that's, what's great about having like Sudeikis in the house is mm-hmm. just, you've got a pro, you've got an improv pro and a sketch comedy pro. And he's, he just stays Absolutely. in character and just, just kind of, rolls with it yeah like you said and um yeah i i just want to give it up to uh, to cecily who she plays a great dumb kid uh yeah she's got braces in the sketch and she's kind of working it in a way she, that she's got pigtails and yeah, yeah it's just it it's not over the top it's just like it's really lived in and same yeah. with Mikey, who I, you know, I'll have things to say about but the right. this is the 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 line where the the Sudeikis <laughs> so says uh, he's trying to desperately trying to get them to to engage with the science, and he says, "Right." Uh, so, what is matter? And Mikey Day says, oh, "I'm okay." <laughs> <laughs> if you can write something that beautifully stupid, it's 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 just wonderful. And yeah, Mikey and and Cecily are both great at playing dumb kids. And uh, this sketch, by the way, written by Mikey Day, Jasmine Pierce, Streeter Seidel, one of my favorite writers, and Cecily Strong. So, and gorgeous. And yeah, just Sudeikis, you, you bring him on, he's just going to hit a home run. And that was that was a sketch of that night for, for that episode, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Just great, great stuff. Uh, okay, uh, so moving around to our... Second round picks, I guess. <laughs> Dennis, what do you got for us? Oh, God, it's my turn. Um, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll go with Goober the Clown. Mm. Okay. Big, big talking point. Big, uh, yeah. you know, infuriated all the right people. Um, but, uh, you know, it, that was before the Supreme Court ruling, but it was definitely when the Supreme Court ruling on abortion was was in the wind. And, yeah, there, uh, there was a new Texas law that had yeah. just come down, and it was, you could kind of tell which way the wind was blowing. Yeah. Uh, this was back in November. Uh, this was, this was from the Kieran Culkin episode. Yeah. Yes. And it was, yeah, Cecily as Goober the Clown, who had an abortion at yeah. age 23. And oh my God, what an amazing piece. She's, uh, yeah. And, you know, I, in, in, I didn't really. I I I didn't know Cecily's 
sort of the autobiographical nature of it. So I didn't really mm-hmm. want to speculate, but she's come out and said that, yeah, that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And you know, Goober the clown has a line where she says, I, I wouldn't be here clowning for you today if I didn't have an abortion at 23. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but you know, and, and you can come out, I, 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 the world is so fucked, um, and <laughs> yes, the country is going in such a terrible direction, and, and especially for people on the show, like the women on the show, the gay people on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how they don't just come out and just start, you know, going network every week and just screaming into the void yeah. on live television <laughs> every week. Yeah, mad as hell. Real- yeah. Yeah. This was furious, but it was and and funny and well crafted and uh beautifully performed. Yeah. yeah. And just like the way that it would kind of break the reality of the piece, but not really, mm-hmm. where Jost broke in and said, Cecily, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And she's like, Yeah, whatever, I'm fine. And and right, uh, right. Yeah. Um and again, she she even rolled with an unexpected element in the sketch where she honked a horn that didn't make any sound, and she just goes, "I'm not a clown," and just. I mean, uh, I remember yeah. at the end of last season, we had it was iffy if Cecily Strong was going to come back. I don't think even she knew at the end of season forty six. But this desk piece alone, I think, if she'd only done that over the course of this season, that would have justified her coming back for another year. Sure. But I mean, it's so amazing. Just it, go watch it. Go watch it on YouTube. Absolutely. Dennis, I, I feel like I interrupted you. Did you have something oh, else to say uh, about Goober? Yeah. Um, no, I just, you know, I, I, <laughs> I catch a lot of heat or I, I used to, um, when I, mm-hmm. I, there were comments under the, my reviews and now there aren't. So I don't know, maybe yeah. everyone agrees with me now, but uh, my, Let's say uh, they do. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> but the, my, you know, I have pretty strong opinions about SNL's legacy of, of kind of political comedy and, mm-hmm. and how uh, largely I think it's kind of uh, self-satisfied and overblown and, and, uh, yeah. but um this is one that will live on. This is like a, this is a performer just taking the horns of a situation and making something furious and funny and just raw out of it. And I think it it goes on the highlight reel and it, it's, it lives for a very long time. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was a number three on my list. So (laughs) I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, the Goober, the Clown desk piece for update that was written by Anna Driesen, Cecily Strong, of course, and Kent Sublette. So, bravo. Absolutely. Yeah. Bravo. Wow. All right. All right. Darren, got, you're up. Uh, shit got real. All right. So let's, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring a little levity here. And uh, okay. yeah, let's talk about um, just because I'm always a, uh, a sucker for just seeing, you know, for SNL and just seeing, you know, some old school kind of sketches, stuff that touches on the past of SNL and the history of it. Let's talk about the five-timer sketch on the Millennia episode. That was, oh, nice choice. That was a good mm-hmm. one. It was a good one. Like, oh, first of all, it starts off in a very weird way because if you remember, like, the sketch before it was a pre-tape from Please Don't Destroy, and mm-hmm. then it... um. 
it, it sort of cut to the people in the uh, five-timer sketch watching the Please Don't Destroy sketch. It felt very Monty Python-esque, where like yeah. one sketch was bleeding into the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and uh, I mean, I don't know. I really, there was just so much to love about the sketch. The fact that Tina Fey was in it. Uh, we had uh, we had uh, Kenneth Bergen in it. Elliot Gould mm-hmm. coming coming out of nowhere. <laughs> that was yeah. a shocker. Uh, you know, Paul Rudd. You know, America's sweetheart. He comes in. <laughs> um, you know, Joe- and, and and Paul Rudd, of course, he gets to bitch about how he didn't get a five timer sketch because of all the COVID shenanigans that happened. Yeah. Around Christmas. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So we get some of that. Uh, I think there was I, I like that little nod of the um, the five timers cocktail. I forget what it was, it was made out of. But I think huh. part of it was like uh, what? Uh, Dan Aykroyd's vodka. Yeah. Like Tracy, oh, yeah. The, the Crystal Skull vodka. Yes. Yeah. And like Tracy Morgan's aquarium water, I think, <laughs> at some point. And then they made that joke. But then they had the bottles of his aquarium water and the and Aykroyd's vodka on the shelf. Like, but they didn't yeah. mention it. You have to like notice it. And then, uh, yeah. then Conan O'Brien comes in towards the end, so flubs good. a few, flubs a few lines. And, yeah. But still, he, he, he even makes fun of himself about it. And it's yeah. just like, ah, this just, this just warmed my comedy nerd heart, this sketch. I, and, I and, and Conan, in case uh, people might not remember, Conan was the guy who wrote the original Five Timers Club <laughs> sketch with Tom Hanks. Like sometime in the 80s, I want to say around 87 or 88, back when Conan was just a writer on the show. And he played like the doorman in that sketch. Right. Which is so weird when you go back and look at it now. You're just like, ah, oh, young, fresh-faced Conan O'Brien. Yeah. I think in this one they had uh, James Austin Johnson playing like the, the maitre d' or something like that. I think, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I think the Tim called him, Yeah, Tim called him like Philip <laughs> <laughs> or something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, solid sketch, I thought. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good five-timers uh, club sketch. Yeah. Um, I enjoy that it's something that they go back to and it, it it's something that makes somebody's fifth time hosting feel like more of an event. And I think it's great that they're still able to find fun variations on the theme because it's basically just an excuse to get in a lot of celebrity cameos who have a history with the show. Um, but they, they keep pulling it off. I, I still enjoy the Five Timers Club sketches. Uh, this one was written by Mike Desenzo, Tina Fey, uh, Allison Gates, Ooh. Jake Nordwind, Josh Patton, and Kent Sublette. So nice job, folks. Well done. Bravo. Okay. Well, uh, we're up to me again. So uh, my next choice, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit. <gasps> this, this is a, this is a thing that they revisited a couple times over the course of the season. So they did it three times all together, but I loved all three. So um, it's a weekend update piece. Okay. Sarah Sherman roasting Colin Jost. Here we go. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, she did this uh, in episode six, the Jonathan Majors episode, episode 11 with Will Forte. And then she did it towards the end of the season. See episode 20 with Selena Gomez. Uh, this I just loved every time they did it and I didn't get sick of it, even though they did it three times in a season. I thought they spaced them out decently and it's just wonderful seeing Sarah Sherman, AKA Sarah squirm as an agent of chaos (laughs) on the show. And I, I love, I love that Colin Jost is such a good sport that he lets all his coworkers make all these 
vicious jokes about him. Uh, that's really up to my, uh, my affection for Colin Jost over the last couple of years is just how much he lets Michael Che bash him. And now he's let letting Sarah Sherman bash him. Cause I think he's very aware of how he can come off to people. I mean, the <laughs> man titled his memoir, a very punchable face. Yeah. For crying yeah. out loud. So you don't do that without some self-awareness. <laughs> right. No, I no. mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like so, I like and, how Sherman comes. The, I think the first time she comes on, she she's just kind of marveling about being on the show and being live. And saying, yeah, I could say anything right now. I could destroy yes. your career and mine. Right. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it just yeah, like you said, having having a a wild card, a kind of somebody who tease that kind of chaos on the show yeah. only keeps it more alive. Yeah. Uh, the show as, as established as SNL gets, it still needs to feel dangerous every once in a while. And I feel like Sarah Sherman is really bringing that. And, and again, a couple things go wrong in a couple of these things. She rolls with the punches. So the last one she did on the Selena Gomez show, she was holding up a picture of her, uh, head crudely photoshopped onto a bikini model's body, but she drops the photo. So it's not really seen on camera and she just rolls with it. Um, that was hilarious. Th- this helped fill the void also of us not getting any joke exchanges on update for me. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm still I mean, as, as, yeah. as long as Colin just is still being relentlessly mocked somehow. I'm a happy camper. I guess. <laughs> I guess I'll deal with it. But yeah, I mean that's a, that is a great choice, my friend. I mean, yeah. I mean, what a fantastic way to introduce a new cast member to everyone, and yeah. it's a great way because, like, you know, it's a, it's a thing where, like, when she comes out on stage, um, wh- the first time she did it, we see her. She's dressed how she's dressed. She talks yeah. how she talks. No one knows quite what to make of her. So right. it's like, uh, it, it takes a minute. This, this is her sixth show that she did this. So that was great. Right. Absolutely. So it takes a minute to sort of, you know, in your mind, be like, all right, what am I seeing here? And then mm-hmm. when she starts, you know, ragging on Colin in her own way, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, she's, she's, she's weird, but she's cool. And then they did it and, again, a second time and it, it hit just as hard. Yeah. And the audience was laughing throughout. And the beauty of it was like, whatever Colin said in his defense or tried to get out of it or point out what Sarah just said was factually wrong. It just dug the hole deeper for him. And yeah. that was great. Um, uh, I'm not going to do the writers for all three. I'm assuming it was mostly written by the same people. The first one was uh, Martin Harrelly, John Higgins, Ben Marshall, the please don't destroy guys, Sarah Sherman with assists from Anna Driesen and Celeste Yim. Nice. And, so apparently everybody wanted to get in on the roasting Colin Jost party. Who would? I'm I'm kind of surprised that Colin Jost didn't. I don't think he contributed to the writing on any of these, which is surprising <laughs> to me. You didn't sign off any of those. I mean, he's a head writer, so I assume he signed off somehow. But I'm I'm scanning through this the uh, the credits and I'm not seeing his name on any of them. I also like that they had like a twist on the last one where. Well, actually, they came up with a twist every time. Like the first time it was, I'm. this is going to be a state of the show thing from the new cast member. And then the second time it was, she was st- supposed to be talking about the cold weather. And the last time it was her giving a studio tour. And they all just 
degenerated into bashing Collins. So right, yeah, the third one I really liked because yeah. like I haven't seen anything like that in a while, especially during the weekend update where it's not behind the desk; it's actually like mm-hmm. behind the audience, and they walk through the you know the behind the scenes in the studio and go into right. a dressing room. I was like, oh, that's a nice. That's, I've never, I haven't seen that before. Or at least I haven't seen it in a while. That's a nice new way to shake things up. It, it felt, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it didn't feel, it didn't feel stale anymore. It felt like something new and fresh, and I, I really dug that. Yeah, and it's it's so easy when you're doing a recurring bit like that to just fall into the same beats each time. But they varied it up enough that I thought it really worked. So uh, yeah. yeah, kudos yeah. to them. I like the yeah I mean the the bashing Joe's thing it, and and God forbid this actually happens but like the it's very I mean SNL's always had a thing about making fun of Lorne and yeah. so with Lorne kind of you know they still do that obviously but the you know the idea that you always take shots at the boss is mm-hmm. kind of built into the show's DNA I mean I didn't say God forbid I don't want Joe's to take over for Lorne or anything but um but yeah, like the, that whole vibe, it just kind of fits into the tradition of, you know, they, it's it's controlled anarchy, but it's it's that sort of snotty kind of fun kind of, you know, take the piss out of the boss kind of humor. Yeah, yeah. And and it really works. And and Jost plays it beautifully. I mean, he he knows how to give Sarah the support <laughs> she needs. I mean, he he can be a, a great straight man. He's he's really well used in those uh, those sketches so all yeah. right uh dennis i think we're uh, back round to you all right you got uh, a number three for us <laughs> sure uh since you cheated i'll cheat a little bit and just uh i'll lump all of the james austin johnson's trumps uh into, oh. uh, into one I'll, I'll focus on the first one probably but um yeah uh I, I think Darren, you you were talking about how the it was really unprecedented that uh, a featured player in his very first show would get the cold open, and mm-hmm. it would be such a high profile. I mean, he was Biden at that in the first one, but that uh, but they, I you know, I give credit to SNL. The same thing with hiring Sherman is just like they, you know, it's like screw tradition. You know, we we've tried other Bidens, we've tried other Trumps, they all kind of sucked. Um, mm-hmm. this guy does amazing versions of both and he's proven and he's talented and we can slot him in a whole bunch of other places. So, you know, screw it. He gets, he gets the plum, uh, the plum roll. He gets, he gets to yeah. lead off the entire season. No, absolutely. Um, like I, I, I do love- feel a little, a little bad for like Alex Moffat. Cause like for a while yeah. it looked like he was going to be the, the Biden, but I, I right. don't know if he never really quite pulled it off. Yeah. His, I got a real um, kind of like, uh, 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 oh God, who played who played George uh, Forte as as George W. Mm-hmm. After, after yeah, uh, after Will, Will Ferrell, and I'm just like, you know, I yeah. love Will Forte, but this isn't. I'm just not. You're nobody's Tough willing, to, follow, willing to accept that, you know. So yeah, poor Moffat. But um, and <laughs> I, I think I think it's kind of amazing that. James Austin Johnson, he established himself as the show's new big impression guy or the the impressionist in the male division. He he did that so quickly that on his fourth episode, the Jason Sudeikis episode, they did 
as the cold open ghost of Biden passed, where we have Jason Sudeikis as Joe Biden with James Austin Johnson's Joe Biden and comparing and contrasting President Joe Biden with Vice President Joe Biden. And we even had Alex Moffat do a little walk on on there as like sort of the Biden from the show that nobody <laughs> remembered or appreciated. And what a good sport for doing that where he's, sure. he's it's, the gag is basically like, yeah, your impression didn't really hit. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Alex. Um, but yeah, but, sticking, sticking with the Trump thing, uh, James Austin Johnson, he, he became known and went viral as the kids say, mm-hmm. um, for a Trump that was, uh, uniquely his own. Uh, and it was very, you know, I read interviews with him where he talked about how it was, it had to be very improvisational because like his whole conception was, you know, Trump, Trump's brain skips grooves and is not, yes. is not uh a rational place it's it's a <laughs> yeah. it's constantly segueing from uh, the, the self-regard uh channels that only he's listening to and so i was really worried you know they they booked him and i was like oh it's just gonna be like another baldwin thing where it's just like kind of you know, maybe he'll be technically more proficient, but it'll just be more kind of verbatim yeah. crap. But they really found a way to incorporate his improvisational. I mean, it, they'd never improv on SNL, but the that kind of feeling into his Trump. I love the conception where they do like Fox News sketches and he gets brought in as mm-hmm. I always picture this like old segments <laughs> where it's like, it's like they bring in the crazy kind of greengrocer segment or the crazy like cooking segment. It's like, here comes. Right. Yeah. And they throw to Trump. And uh, I love the idea of the ticker on the side where it's like part uh, like the ESPN yeah. kind of thing or when Colbert or, or like w- when Bill O'Reilly would do his little editorial yeah. things. And uh, um, so you, you see a list up there and it's got like yeah. s- uh, uh, subjects that you can't imagine will be connected as like Dune to, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. And uh, but and 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 Johnson's performance is really good in the sense that it is it's it's loose, but it's also very exact. Like it picks oh, up yes. manner of speaking the way that Trump will uh omit articles in front of things it's like mm-hmm. i like wall wall is good <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh and just the way his his he talks about how you know trump if you listen to him now is he's older he's not like the phil hartman trump where he's right. kind of snappy and glib he's he's hazy and he's he's oh. got a weird uh, the hazy plus self-satisfied Plus, kind of clearly sundowning um, <laughs> the, way, the way that uh, sentences will kind of uh, flow into each other without ever yeah. completing a thought at the. To, it's it's just it's really it's just good. word salad, yeah, yeah, and and uh, and, anyway. and you you watch the real guy, and or what when I watch the real guy anyway, it's just like he is just saying whatever comes into his head at any given moment or whatever he thinks will get him through the next five to 10 minutes. And he mm-hmm. doesn't even care if he contradicts something that he said five or 10 minutes ago. Sure. Correct. And they have the sketch where they do like Fox and friends in the morning and they're right. the, the three hosts are, are desperately trying to 
to say, oh, Mr. Trump, the Democrats are saying that you're you had a coup. But that's just ridiculous. He's like, yeah, it, it's, it, you know, it was a coup. You know, it was just like <laughs> yeah. coming back. It could be coup, could could be, you know, and just violence, right. and, you know. And, uh, you know, it used to be there would be violence and, you know, put him up against the wall, <laughs> bing, bang, and coup. And uh, I don't know, man. It just, it, it felt, it was like the, you know, the best SNL political impressions aren't necessarily the most accurate. Uh-huh. Um, they capture the spirit. Yes. Uh, but this one had, it captured the spirit and it was really kind of uh, uh, proficient and, and technically mm-hmm. like spot on and, and uh, just something special. I really, really thought it was, I never thought I would want to see another Trump cold open again, but, but uh, I kept looking forward to him. Yeah. I know. I know I said earlier this season on the podcast that, I, I couldn't fully appreciate or fully engage with James Austin Johnson's Trump because I was just so burnt out on Trump. I, I got even burned out on parodies of Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found that and I don't like using this word for something so so trivial, but I, I got a little triggered by it, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah and I hear you. So I, I feel like I would have appreciated or enjoyed his Trump more if he'd come on like two seasons ago mm-hmm. right because it is but, a- but they they rode that alec baldwin train for as long as they possibly could right into the ground <laughs> right i mean because because honestly nobody expected trump to win and and stay in office the whole time they did about maybe three or four different goodbye sketches for baldwin's trump because they were like well maybe he's getting impeached during during the break <laughs> Uh, it's just so, yeah. But I mean, it's it's a brilliant impression of Trump. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, okay. Darren, you're up, sir. All right, let's 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 uh, let's wrap this up. I w- I had one ready to go, mm-hmm. and um, I, I maybe now now I'm thinking maybe I'll just give it a you know a quick mention that you know in later on the show because like I had okay. another sketch pop in my mind because you mentioned we could say. We could talk about pre-tapes, and then that yeah. reminded me of a sketch that, like, I really, I don't know, it really kind of stuck with me when I saw it, and like I rewatched it, and I was like, "Wow, this is really," I haven't seen anything like this in quite some time. So I think I'm gonna replace the one I had with this one. And, Go um, for it. I th- all right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna talk. Let's talk about it. Pre-tape uh, from the Paul Rudd episode, "An Evening with Pete Davidson." Oh, the Raging Bull parody. Oh yeah. yeah, like that was. Something else. I mean, I think because I, I mean, I've said it before. Like, I think that was when Pete thought he was, you know, done with the show, and like when he was, he uh-huh. wanted to leave. Because I, like, I, I look at that sketch more and more, and like, oh no, this is this was his goodbye. But for whatever reason, he stuck around for you know the second half of the season, and like you know, we got the goodbye we got with him behind the weekend update desk. But um. Yeah, that I mean the way it's shot, it's beautiful. That evening with Pete Davidson sketch, the the whole meta ness of it, I thought was interesting. Like you know, the whole thing's in black and white, and it's him as an older man doing shows to you know half filled uh, lounges of drunk people who don't care who he, who he is, and people yelling at him, "Hey, do the Chad thing, do the Chad, <laughs> say, say say Chad," his line, and. Uh, it's I don't know I I, I forget what I compared it to it, it kind of reminded me of that old uh, Belushi 
sketch yeah. or maybe like don't look back in anger yeah yeah and like there was something about it where it was, it was shot beautifully it had like a bit of a maudlin feel to it and i don't but it was still funny like you know the fact that they had like some animatronic colin jokes come in to do weekend <laughs> update segments with him i thought it was right. fantastic it's because like it takes yeah. place in the future but it looks like the past and yeah uh, I don't know. There, there was a lot to like about that sketch. That, that was. Like, I really remember when we discussed it before. I think you liked it a little more than I did, Darren. Um, right. I I liked bits of it, but I remember thinking that it went on a little long. Uh, Dennis, what was your opinion on it? I guess I uh, I don't want to cop out and say I kind of agree with both of you, but I really did like it. I Pete is such a strange presence on the show at this point because he's so obviously checked out of it but he's still yeah kind of really good at it and the idea that he never quite i i really liked in his last update where he he did his own lauren impression where he talked about after his audition his initial audition where you know lauren had said you know you're not really right for the show uh right so let's let's screw this up together and yes sort of so like, sweet yeah it really was <laughs> and and just but that Pete was always just such a strange presence and, and yeah. become like a really big star, you know, in entertainment, but also as a, as a personality that you would never expect, like a, like a famous person. Yeah. And this seemed like really reflecting on that in a, in a very poignant uh, and, and kind of uh, acid kind of, kind of way. It just, it, it felt I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I. You know. I didn't look it up, but I, I don't remember who wrote this one. Do you, do you have that one? Um. Let me. I. I've got it up here. That was from the Paul Rudd episode. You said so. Right. That was by Dan Bula, Stephen Castillo, and Pete Davidson. Okay. Uh. Yeah. It seems like Pete's been kind of like planning his exit for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, he's given interviews in the past where he talked about. You know, he kind of bitch about. You know, they just they treat me like an idiot on the show and they don't appreciate me and, and stuff mm-hmm. like this, but then he'll come back and then he'll say stuff like his, he have his last update where it's, it's obviously very heartfelt. I mean, he wouldn't be where he is if it weren't for SNL and all that kind of mixed up in this sketch. It really, it really kind of got to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the man went through a lot of life changes when he was on the show. Cause he was, sure. he was a, still a young guy. He was like in his twenties. Now he's like well into his thirties. I'm not sure what his exact age is um science has no answer for that yet nope. <laughs> um, i think he's like in his late 20 like 28 29 or something he's still in his 20s holy shit i believe <laughs> yeah i believe he's like 28 29 something like that i thought he had to be past 30 by now i feel awful <laughs> didn't he start on the show when he was 20 or 19 god yeah that, so that was younger than i i realized wow <laughs> yep <laughs> and i mean he's he he's like he, he went through a thing where he, he publicly threatened suicide. He's he's gotten clean at least once, if not twice, on the show. I don't know. I mean, he be, he became like a big social media star. He's dated all these celebrities, and he's become like this incredibly popular cast member. I never would have guessed that he would last as long as he did and and made as big of a hit as he did on the show. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's he, he went through a lot. Remember, he was he was engaged to uh, 
uh, wait, Ariana Grande at some point. Like, Ariana Grande, who he met on the show, and he yeah. he became friends with Machine Gun Kelly through the show, and I believe he met Kim Kardashian West through the show. Yeah. So. The show has hooked him up. <laughs> it really has. It really has. Okay, yeah. I'm looking. At, I'm looking it up now. Yes, Pete Davidson is 28, born in November of '93. My God, man. Yeah. Well, I know he started stand up really young too. So yeah, that's true. So yeah, evening with Pete Davidson. Evening with Pete Davidson. My my choice. Okay, well now I'm I'm kind of conflicted on what to pick for my last one because like I I had Goober the Clown as my number three. Sorry. Um, since Dennis picked that for his number two, um, that leaves me with a dilemma. Um, <laughs> oh boy. And I've I've got I've got two kind of vying <laughs> together. Um, I think I'm going to go with a pre-tape uh, from the Billie Eilish show "Lonely Christmas." <laughs> oh. This was uh, Billie Eilish as a kid in a family in like some city. She sees a neighbor across the street, an elderly neighbor played by Kate McKinnon, uh, writes out a note to her, holding up a sign like that uh, Taylor Swift video um i think it was you belong to me um see i've learned some taylor swift stuff (laughs) Uh, and and she invites her over for christmas dinner and the first thing that kate's character writes back after she accepts the invitation is will there be any black people Mm -hmm. there and then and then she follows that up with jews (laughs) So, so the entire sketch is just ping ponging between sweet and twisted, uh, and oh my god, it's 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 a it's a great piece of writing. It's just performed beautifully, and it it just takes some really great unexpected twists and turns. Um, this sketch was was written by Mikey Day, who also plays a part in it. Uh, <laughs> Allison Gates. Kate McKinnon and Streeter Seidel. So, yeah, I thought I thought that was great and and really really funny. Uh, yeah, no, that was a great that's a great choice. I that I had that down too as one of my favorite sketches of the season. It's just um, it's just like a very simple sketch. No one speaks a word really. I mean, I think Billie Eilish yeah. had a few lines here and there, but for the most part, she only like calls back to her mother a couple times. Yeah, yeah, but for the most part, it's all silent. It all it's all just. All the comedy is done through, you know, the two of them uh, communicating through signs, and it it, yeah. it works. It's hilarious. I, this is this was a solid sketch. Good point. Good point. Um, Dennis, what did you think of this one? Loved it. Uh, yeah, nice. I just I love sketches. I love. I mean, it's usually film pieces. I love it when they put so much uh, attention to detail to make it look like an existing kind of. Uh, concept, something that you you, yeah. you think you know what you're going to get, so the the jokes can kind of launch off of that and kind of play on your expectations. This seemed like it would be, you know, I don't know, like a, you know, like a commercial, uh, like one of those superficially heartwarming kind of commercials about bland togetherness or something. And, right. And, uh, right. And yeah, the way it escalated, and yeah, Mikey Day ends up playing her. She's he's revealed as her adult son who's uh if i recall correctly is being kind of slowly poisoned 
yes, uh, yes. Mother for we like see we see Kate by proxy or something. Yeah, yeah. Kate gets a, like a huge syringe out, yeah. and then like Mikey's character holds up a sign saying like she's poisoning me. Yeah. <laughs> and he keeps, he keeps eating the notes that he he's holding up for yes, for yes. And, uh, I love a sketch that just kind of escalates it. It you don't know where it's going, and it it commits to the 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 vibe it's on and it just kind of expertly builds and builds and builds loved it yeah yeah i mean whenever we don't like a sketch and we're talking about it on the podcast a a big criticism that we keep coming back to is like it it didn't build it didn't it didn't escalate and and also you want to be surprised because at the heart of comedy it's surprise i mean you Jokes hit harder when you don't see the punchline coming. If you can tell where they're going from the first 30 seconds of the sketch, it's not going to hit you too hard. Um, Generally speaking. Um, Yeah, Yeah, in general. Sometimes you, it it can hit hard because you're like laughing in anticipation, but generally it hits harder if, if you don't see it coming, especially if it's not a recurring sketch. So absolutely. Yeah, so that that one I rewatched that one this afternoon, and I just thought, yeah, that that's a pretty strong sketch. I'm I'm gonna put that on my list. So okay, here here. Okay. All right, so that's it. We we've all picked three of the season. I I think we came up with a pretty solid list of the best of season forty seven. It's good. It's good. Uh, do we want to do honorable mentions? Let's do some honorable mentions. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, I got a few. Oh, uh, the right. the one that was gonna be my number one before the. Pete Davidson beat it out. I was, I still think this is a fantastic sketch. Uh, canceling Cable from the Kieran Culkin episode. <laughs> I mean, Mike. I God. have that on my best of list, and I didn't rewatch it. Um, and I, I've spent a lot of the last couple months and and the last day dealing with my cable company. So <laughs> I think I could watch it, and it might be triggering for me though. <laughs> I'll yeah, I'll give that a nod. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the uh, the mail in testing service from the Owen Wilson episode, <laughs> where it's like we're gonna take it out. <laughs> oh right, right, gonna, right. The thing's going right in the trash. Like we're not gonna play. Yeah, with we're not group. gonna. We're gonna play with it a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought <laughs> that was a strong one. Let's see what else do I have here? Uh, well, for doing uh, weekend update segments, you know, I got to give a shout out to. Uh, Andrew Dismukes and his amazing animal antics, which I, I mentioned briefly, where like the octopus told him he was going to die in seven in seven days. I was I was misremembering that as last season. I would have I think I would have put that on my list if I'd realized it was this season. No, that was definitely this season. What what episode was that in? That was uh, I wrote. Oh, that was during the Billie Eilish episode. Oh, oh, see, like I said, that was a surprisingly strong episode. It was man. that had uh, that had that first TikTok sketch, the first time we ever seen that, where like they kind of uh-huh. where SNL kind of switched up the format for a sketch and the the, the, the TikTok thing. Uh, the, and uh, yeah, there was a hotel ad, of course, at the end where Billy and Kate, where they were just breaking. Um, I'll give a special shout out because I didn't see this coming at all. Uh, Peyton Manning on the weekend update that's where he's talking about <laughs> Eloise in Paris or Emily in Paris. That was a, that hit me hard because, you know, not a sports guy. Peyton hosted before, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I don't remember him being that strong of a host, but he killed it on that. I, I put that on my best of. Yeah. His delivery was so assured and crisp. yeah, it was it was shocking because, yeah, he's kind of, you know, he's a sports guy. He's kind of a stiff, but that was yeah. killer. That was great. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, when a sports star comes on and they really hit it, it hits hard because you don't expect them. I mean, cause they're not trained actors, right? <laughs> they, mm. They're, they're, they're sports players. So, <laughs> but I, I remember reading in that, uh, in the live from New York oral history book, uh, that you mentioned earlier, Dennis, they said that, you know, the great thing about having athletes host is they can, they can follow directions. Mm. You know, if you tell them like, Oh, okay, you go here and this, this, and this, and they will like follow those directions to a T. So. <laughs> you got it, boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're, they're Yes. They're very used to that. Yeah, so uh, I'll add two more I'll give a shout-out to. Uh, from the Jake Gyllenhaal, the uh, Why'd You Like It sketch, where they're talking. I always, <laughs> I, I'm always i a sucker for sketches where they kind of deconstruct, you know, human nature and human conditions. Like, why do we do the things we do? Or, uh-huh. so like, uh, I don't know, I, I got a kick out of that. And I'll give another shout-out to uh, another one of my favorite pre-tapes, the uh, Old Enough Long-Term Boyfriend Edition from, from the uh, <laughs> Selena Gomez. Because, like, I mean, I've never seen the old enough yes. show, but, like, I thought the premise was strong, the execution was strong, and just seeing, like, you know, Mikey Day go out and trying to do a simple task, I'd buy makeup and pick yeah. up, pick and up he's, shallots. he's playing, like, a, a boyfriend in his 30s. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, he's only yeah. 34. I don't know if he can do this. Like, yeah. like little yeah. things like that. Like, and it was all under the backdrop of, like, a Japanese reality show. It's like, go on. Which is a real thing, apparently. Yeah, so. yeah, it's been around for a while. But, yeah, you hear things like, go on, Matt, you can do it. Don't be distracted yeah. from that picture of Anna Diarmis. <laughs> it's like little <laughs> things like that. Like, I thought that was Which, a really solid sketch. Uh, hey, I, I, I totally get that. I've been distracted by many a picture of Anna Diarmis uh, in my day. I mean, hubba hubba. <laughs> um, <laughs> a striking looking uh, person. Um Dennis, do you want to go next, or do you want to gather your okay. thoughts a little bit? Because I can go. Oh no, it's I. I'm uh, uh, sure I'll go. Um, uh, sticking with uh, Darren, when you, <laughs> I was going to mention, uh, we haven't really talked about Chris Red much this season. Oh yeah, no, I should. Yeah, I thought he had a killer season. I thought he was really good. I thought even though he didn't have as many kind of like big sketches that centered on him, he was always mm-hmm. good. Like like. Really, uh, uh, when you mentioned the why'd you like that, it's about why the game show is why did you like a particular uh, picture on Instagram? Oh, right. Yeah, that was good. They, that was they good. asked Jake Gyllenhaal's car- uh, contestant first, and he has these convoluted answers, and then he just has to admit it's like because I was hoping that she would see that and she would sleep with me. Mm-hmm. And then, yes. But then <laughs> Keenan's the host, and he goes around, he comes around to red who has now figured out the premise of the show and just the way that red says with a smile he's just like pass yeah i agree with yeah. you yeah, i mean chris red he's really i mean this year we, we've seen more and more of him and he just constantly shows that he really has the chops to be on the show i mean i really saw it when uh, i mean i don't know if you're going to mention it but like uh, that one sketch he uh, where he played Eric Adams, he debuted his Eric Adams yeah. on the Ariana De- on the yeah. Ariana DeBose, and it was all him. That sketch was like all him and all his charisma, and he just knocked yeah. out the park. I thought, I yeah, I think he's really cemented himself as as a major player going forward, yeah. especially with people leaving. Another one of his um, pre tape uh, the heist from the Kieran Culkin episode where he's the number one kind of uh, thief 
and he has everything done, but he can't drive uh, the manual transmission of the getaway car. Uh-huh. And the way that he deadpans this utter confidence with, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the, the line, uh, he's talking to Kieran Culkin, who's his boss over at headphone. He's just like, there is no machine uh, yet that I have not, that I cannot handle. And he's like, what about a manual trans- transmission? He's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I love ultra, ultra confident, stupid people yep. in, in comedy sketches. I, I, that's like a bottomless well of yeah. comedy. And it was just really, uh, it was one of those pre-tapes that was just, you could tell they spent a lot of time, a lot of money. It looked yeah. great. It sounded great. And just read, just killed it. Uh, if I got one more, I don't know. Geez. Why not? Um, <laughs> there was, there was a lot. I, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I reread my interminable reviews to try to check every single uh, <laughs> okay, we get it. You hate yourself. <laughs> Join the club. Um, from the Lizzo episode, I think I'll throw I'll throw some love to the orgy episode. Uh, the orgy sketch. Oh yes, I like that one a lot. Yeah, because Every, everybody hit. It was just uh, you know there's the the premises is a, is a uh, I don't know where they are Roman times or something. There's a mad yeah. emperor who's coming in and they have to get the orgy prepped for the, for the night. Yeah. And everybody has a role to play and they're all kind of, uh, going through their, their preparations and everybody's just kind of so professional about it. It's like a gig for everybody. <laughs> and uh, everybody's yeah. really dead. Yeah. And, uh, Kate makes out with a goat, uh, you know, cause she was hired to do a goat act and she does like, yeah. am I sacrificing the goat or am I kissing the goat? What are we doing here? And- I, I don't know how I miss putting that one on my list because <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at my list. I've got like 40 sketches <laughs> yeah. on there. No, 41 now. And I have something else from the Lizzo show, but somehow I missed that one. But I, re- I liked that one. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and Kyle was uh, the jester. He was going to come in and. Yeah, and, you know, they're the two kind of major domo directors of the orgy who are like, we were skeptical at first, but you really nailed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I like the idea of having a party planner for an orgy. I mean, exactly. that's just, that's funny right yeah. there. I mean, that's, really good. Yeah, I saw um, I saw the episode of Party Down. I know what's up. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Nick Contino's orgy night. Yes, <laughs> you remember the episode name? Wow, <laughs> I remember. Oh, yep. party down! Oh, I can't wait for that to come back. <laughs> I guess this goes without saying, but uh, stay out of the fuck room. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed that voice, man. That I was good. Tom, I love Tom Lennon so much. Everything he does, he's perfect. Uh, he he's he's beautiful. He's a beautiful human being. Uh, I just I, I don't think I've ever heard somebody do a Tom uh, Tom Lennon before. No, 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 you have. Yeah, he's he's the reason that uh, story checks out is in my repertoire of recurring phrases. If it's from an episode of Reno Nine One One where he just like yep yeah, story checks out <laughs> and yeah. Um, all right, so. Let let me see. Uh, one that I I very nearly put in is from the Simu Liu show. Uh, Simu Liu, I keep mispronouncing his name. Uh, Republican or not? Uh, game <laughs> show sketch where they're trying to figure out where where people come on and give vague statements, and the contestants try to figure out if they are Republican or not. And it's just sort of that because we're in such a fractured political environment. 
everyone's sort of playing that, doing that dance of, Ooh, how much do I agree with this person? How much do I want to get to know this person? Do they believe something that is personally heinous to me and offensive to me? And like, so somebody comes up and he's like, well, I hate cops. And they're like, well, why though? <laughs> right. And then like they show um, like the cops yeah. he hates and then the cops at uh, January 6th. Yeah. Right. And it was, it was, uh, uh, uh Simu as a contestant and Ego. Uh, Nwadam was the other contestant, and I th- I think that was everybody. I believe was I Bowen believe. in there somewhere. I feel like Bowen was in there. Uh, I, I, I'd have to go back. I don't believe so. I I rewatched this one not a week ago, and it's it's, it's kind of gone out of my head. Yeah, um, that's a really good pick. I remember the 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 um one of the ones I think Heidi Gardner comes out or Chloe Feynman. Yeah, says I really love Dave Chappelle, and yes. uh, ego is like. From when? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, just the the things they thought of and the questions that they had that that was pretty great. Um, that could have been a very hack sketch, but it really worked well. Um, Got to give a shout out to the please don't destroy guys. The I think the only reason that I haven't really called out specific sketches of theirs is because they were pretty consistently hitting on the show and by the end of the season it was kind of a disappointment if you didn't see a please don't destroy pre-tape on the show uh the ones i have on my faves list i've got hard seltzer um i've got calling angie oh yeah Uh, that's the one where we see uh sarah sherman yeah uh three sad virgins which (laughs) with uh taylor swift where they Basically, uh, did a number with Pete Davidson, um, and uh, I think the one from the Zoe Kravitz show, yeah, uh, worked well too. Where uh, Paul Dano had a cameo. Uh, yes, uh, we got her a cat. They were they were looking for a kitten. Yes, um, we got her a cat. Yeah, yeah. And the and, line, one of the lines is, <laughs> "Why did we get the smallest and fastest cat?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they lose it so easily, and then they found we find out that they bought an ant for for Paul Rudd because he was Ant Man. Yeah, <laughs> so they were buying uh, Zoe Kravitz a a cat because she's Catwoman. <laughs> it's just I love the the weird thought process. Um, uh, they, Lizzo has writer's block was another strong one from them. <laughs> See, I, um, I really like the uh, the good variant one where they where they get COVID, but it's the good kind of oh, COVID. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like I said, they were consistently strong. So the that's the only reason I'm not pointing out a specific sure. one, even though I've pointed out like three or four now. Um, a really strong sketch late in the season uh, with uh, Chloe Feynman was the understudy, where she's basically imitating every other woman on the show. <laughs> oh yeah, I like that. That was a good one. Uh, that had a cameo from Elizabeth Olsen. I forget which episode. That was on Cumberbatch because they did a Thank joke you. about the. Multiverse. Oh, that's right. That's Whoa. yeah. That's why they were bringing Elizabeth Olsen on because they're both in the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Whoa. So that was good. Um, Sarah Sherman, Chucky. <laughs> you know that came so, out. That one came out of nowhere. <laughs> so twisted, and I mean, it, it's a pre-tape thing with just Chucky working an office job. Chucky from the the Child's Play horror franchise from the eighties. It, I mean, it's such a deep cut, and it's so. And nobody but Sarah Sherman could have done that. That's yeah. That's 
like that was like i, I didn't see that coming at all it's still yeah wow yeah and like uh going back to your compliment of uh chris red uh seat fillers i thought was pretty good it's Ooh. i thought uh, i don't think it's one from the ages but i i like the concept um of a seat filler at the oscars who's bonding with will smith and then will smith gets up to slap chris rock yeah. And that all happens off screen, off camera. Um, I thought that was a pretty good take on it. I thought that was a pretty fresh take on it. That's from the Jared uh, Carmichael show. So yeah, that was a that was a good one because that just came right on the heels after you know the slap heard yeah. around the world, and then Jared Car- Gerard Carmichael had that amazing uh, monologue about it too. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty strong too. I think like him and Mulaney both had two other stronger monologues this season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have their monologues on my best of list. Um, let's see, a couple more. I'm seeing uh, Men's Room from the Kieran. Oh, Cole yeah. With, uh, little Tracy Morgan cameo. That was fun. Uh, Man Park. That's a yeah. good pre-tape. Yes, sure. I, I wrote that down, too. Yeah, Marvel, Marvel, yeah. Marvel, 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 <laughs> Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. I mean, that's. That's half the conversations I have with Darren. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's true. <laughs> um, I haven't rewatched this one lately, but I it's number three on my list. Uh, um, Bowen Yang is a proud gay Oompa Loompa on Timothy Chalamet. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't even remember what that was about, but I liked it. So uh, Yeah, the, the uh, it comes out, he, he wants to talk about union unionizing i think and just uh-huh. kind of accidentally outs him on tv and yeah started, okay. okay about him having to to deal with that yeah it was good it was yeah yang was really good in that yeah yeah, yeah. i mean bone bone yang he's a more versatile uh performer than you would think uh at first so yeah no no he's, I, he is i like I, I said up before on the podcast. I don't want to see Bone Yang just get pigeonholed as like I'm playing the outrageous guy, like uh, like the Oompa Loompa or the uh, the iceberg, because he can do all sorts of stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping with some of the longer tenured people like Kate and Eighty and Kyle Mooney and Pete, I, I want to see. Folks like like Bowen and Heidi and and Chloe and Melissa get more chances to shine. So yeah. I think that'll be a good thing for the show. I mean, I think now that like you know four cast members have left the show, I think I definitely think we're going to see more of uh, all those cast members get like a lot more screen time. Definitely, mm-hmm. unless Lauren decides to just kind of hire more people. Oh, I mean, there's always that chance, and and I get it from Lauren's point of view because he doesn't. He doesn't ever want to find himself shorthanded, and he doesn't. He certainly doesn't want to have to remake the entire show right before the fiftieth season. So, sure. I get that, but yeah, it's it, it's just you got a solid cast even without the folks who left. So, and every every time there's turnover, you think that the cast that's left isn't up yeah. to the task, but yeah, you know, that's every time there's turnover that happens. You know, and and yeah. then people start to if you give them room and you give them space yeah <laughs> give them airtime they can become yeah. your next stars but i I, oof, I just i have this terrible gut feeling that we might be in for kind of a 
summer hiring spree. I don't know. September, they're going to be like, you know, SNL hiring five new cast members. Yeah. And we're like, what? What? No, why? why? I mean, I'm sure I'll list them in a year's time, but why? Oh, why? Oh, why? <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, I guess uh, that's our episode. Um, well, I mean, well, we actually know that. Yeah, that's not our episode, but that's our picks. <laughs> that's our picks. Yeah, that's what I meant to that's say. Our, that's our picks. So we we still have one thing, and I've already promised this on Twitter. So <laughs> we have to do this. Um, it's it's a thing I've done in our wrap up shows for the, the last couple years, uh, where I look at the Wikipedia pages of the various cast members. And I decide who has the best and or most improved uh, Wikipedia profile picture. So are, are we ready yeah. for this? Are we excited for this? Mm-hmm. Am I the only one who cares about this? Most likely. But yep. <laughs> hold on to your butts. It's, it's <laughs> half of my podcast, so I'm doing it anyway. OK, so here, here's how it, it shakes out. Uh, unchanged, A.D. Bryant, although she has new cropping on her photo. <laughs> Alex Moffat, Cecily Strong, Chloe Feynman, Kyle Mooney, Pete Davidson. I think Colin Jost, his picture looked familiar, but I'm not 100% certain on that. Michael Che and Melissa Villasenor. All of them unchanged. Although okay. I will say Alex, Cecily, and Pete, they all have unflattering pictures on their Wikipedia pages, <laughs> and those need to be. There is room for improvement. They are they're all better looking than they look like on their on those Wikipedia pages. Absolutely. Um, Bowen Yang, his picture disappeared. Oh no. <laughs> last hell? year Maybe. last year, strangely, Bowen Yang had a, a painting for the, the <laughs> his Wikipedia page. I don't know who put that up. I don't know why they put that up. It was weird. It's gone, but nothing has replaced it. I hope it's not a future <laughs> kind of situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a surprising number of cast members have no pictures on their Wikipedia pages. Heidi Gardner doesn't have a, a picture. Ego Nwadam doesn't have a picture. Chris Redd doesn't have a picture. Aristotle doesn't have a picture. And James Austin Johnson does not have a picture. So... How does Wikipedia work? Don't you think these people would have, you know, you, you, you got PR people who work for you. Shouldn't they get that going? I, 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 don't, I know. don't know. I, As far as I know, nobody runs their own Wikipedia page. And I think there are actually rules against you being able to edit your own Wikipedia pages. <laughs> like, because I know I know there's like, OK, Dennis, you're you're a comic book fan. You know, the comic book yeah. uh, writer and artist John Byrne, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. So I know that he went on his Wikipedia page and he tried to like edit it down to almost nothing because he thought that half the stuff in there was inaccurate. Yeah. And then like Wikipedia put it all back because that's against the rules. Um, <laughs> so Wikipedia, I mean, it's anyone can edit except the people that the page is about, which is. Yeah, well, I kind of see it, but it's still weird. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we have a few people who have changed their pictures or because they were new cast members, we're seeing their pictures for the first time. Um, last year, our winner for most improved Wikipedia 
pitcher was Mr. Mikey Day. He has a, he, and that's still the pitcher on his Wikipedia page. Tim out on the streets of New York. He's he's given a little uh, hand jazz thing, you know, doing the like the v, the sideways V for victory sign. I don't know what you call that hand gesture. Yeah, he's giving like a peace sign out to like it looks like it, some people yeah. wait, that were waiting on the line outside to get in. It could be. It could be when it was taken by somebody in the standby line. I don't know. And he's like pulling his mask down. And he's got a cool expression. Uh, we actually tweeted about this last year, uh, congratulating him, mock congratulating <laughs> him. And he, and he but... was nice enough to respond to the tweet and said, thank you. It's only downhill from here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so we're hoping to get a repeat of that uh, this season. So, Mikey, since your, your Wikipedia profile pick is unchanged you are not eligible this year so who do we who do we have we have we have punky johnson who on her wikipedia page uh kind of taking a page out of my uh mikey day's playbook masked up uh and doing doing a little sideways v for victory sign it's a picture from some events in uh, 2021 so thing homage to Mikey Day. I, pain and homage. I don't know if it's a strategy. What is she doing? Um, but we, we yeah. can't really see her face. So I'm, I'm going to throw that one out. Um, Andrew Dismukes also max, maxed up in his uh, profile picture. He's, he's given a nice wave. He, lo- he looks like a nice young man. And it looks like it was taken around the same time as Punky's picture because the same building is in the background. So it, it's a nice picture to him. Uh, that's a contender. And it replaced uh, what he hit previously had a mirror selfie, uh, I think. Oh, very nice. I, I don't. I didn't save that picture, but that's what I said last year on the podcast. So I'm going to just take that as an improvement. Um, okay. Keenan Thompson used to have a photo of him in a tux. Uh, I I think taken at some awards ceremony. Yeah. He was looking nice. Nice expression on his face. Uh, now it's something from. I'm guessing from like the NBC upfronts or something like that. Uh, not not the most flattering picture in the world. I'm I'm gonna rate that as a downgrade. Oh dear. Yeah, it's uh, it's from some NBC events from uh, 2019. Yeah, so it's it's just not the most flattering picture because he's like mid sentence and okay. you can look goofy when you're somebody takes a picture of you mid sentence. Got it. Um. And who else? Um, Sarah Sherman, who wasn't eligible last year because she was not a cast member yet. Uh, her her Wikipedia picture, profile picture is lovely. It is it oh. is a delight. It's, I'm, I'm guessing it's like a headshot. Uh, I don't oh, know sorry. how new it was, but yeah, it's it's very nice. It's not as as quirky as you might think, but it's a picture of her from uh, 2021. Yeah, she she looks very nice. Coming in strong. She looks very nice. I I can't really say most improved because I don't know what her Wikipedia page looked like last year. I'm guessing not the same. Okay. And Fair enough. <laughs> so okay, I think that that runs through everybody, and so I'm gonna give the most improved Wikipedia picture to departing oh. cast member. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Kate McKinnon, uh, last year or the year before, uh, she had a a photo. It was fine. 
it, it, it was fine. <laughs> it was not wonderful. Um, her, her new picture is nice. It's got some, a nice personality. It's from uh, 2018. It looks like she's on a press junket or perhaps on some sort of talk show appearance. But uh, I'm it's looking nice. At it. I'm looking at it now. It looks in the background. There may be a sign for that movie she did, uh, like the spy who dumped me or something. Like I think that. you're right. Okay. Yeah. It. it looks like a who oh. and a D and an M behind her, her head. So I bet you're right. The spy who dumped me. Wow. Uh, wow. Who was in there? Nice. Was it Mila Kunis? Mila Kunis. Mila yeah. Kunis. Okay. So yeah, it's very nice. Very, very nice, natural smile. So I'm, I'm giving it to Kate. Kate has the most improved SNL Wikipedia profile picture Man, of 2022. She's the person the to beat next year. Yeah. Yay. So, you know, that's, I mean, wow. who knows well, if she's well, going to win an Emmy for her last season, but she's already won this. Yep. And, Right. And Emmy's this anticlimactic is, at this point. Yeah. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, congratulations to Kate. Uh, Mikey will be delivering the official SNL Nerds most improved Wikipedia profile picture sash over to your apartment. Um, we, we couldn't afford more than one, but. Yeah. So we we got to. Yeah. Yeah. We got to recycle it. Yeah. So, like, hopefully. Michael will wash it and then give it to you, Kate. Congratulations. Exactly. Yeah. uh, And next year, we're hoping to have a tiara. Um, We're having trouble with our tiara guy. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into it. But (laughs) but enjoy. Enjoy your reign until 2023, Kate McKinnon. Absolutely. So. And uh, wow. What an exciting way to end this episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right right it's good it's good and uh yeah that's the episode guys thanks again for listening as always uh season 47 um yeah highs and lows ups and downs uh wasn't a perfect season but i think there was more good in it than stuff i thought just didn't work or downright hated like i think we're yeah. i think i think like we're on a good trajectory now uh it's like i said before now that um We've gotten rid of some, or some cast members have left. I think we're going to see a lot more Heidi. I think we're going to see a lot more Ego. I think we're mm-hmm. going to, and you know, now that Please Don't Destroy has kind of established themselves as like kind of a, a writing force to be reckoned with, and uh, Dismuke has established himself, and James Austin Johnson and Sarah Sherman. I think we're going to see more of them. I definitely think we're going to. Uh, I think the next season is definitely going to feel like have like a different tone and it's going to be a different, we're going to go in like a different direction, have like a little bit more of a different shift than, um, you know, the, the seasons past. I think we're, I think we're on the, I think we're on the, on the right course. I feel, I feel good. I feel positive. I feel like the, the show's in, in pretty decent shape at this point. It'll be interesting to see how they pivot from the loss of those, those cast members. Cause they were huge presences on the show that they'd been around for a long, long time. And the show, just can't help but change at this point. So, uh, right. Dennis, what are your overall thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, I think that, uh, I think that's part of the, the great thing about being a Saturday Night Live fan is you, 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 you watch, you watch people kind of flourish or not. 
and uh, you see like when somebody's on the precipice and they could go either way and you, mm-hmm. do, you want, uh, you know, you root for them and you want somebody to take those, those big swings and kind of, you know, right now, you know, with, with the people who left, there are, there are opportunities and it's up to people to seize them. And sometimes people, you know, swing and miss and they just flame out. And other times they just make you, they don't make you forget the past, but they, they become the new standard, you know, and I'm, I'm excited. I, I think this, this season had, had a, uh, an uptick in the writing. Uh, uh, I think that the, they largely stayed away from recurring characters and, mm-hmm. and Lauren's friends, uh, celebrity friends cameoing and, uh, and, uh, you know, game show and talk show sketches were scaled back a bit and that's good. Let, yeah. let, let everybody kind of stretch a little bit. I think, I think if they stay that course, I think I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. Um, I feel like the monologues really improved this season. I, I really, the work they did there really paid off. I, I think we got some fresh new voices with please don't destroy and Sarah Sherman and Andrew Dismukes uh, continuing on his path. Um, I'd like to see them get some stronger cold opens. Uh, yeah, that's my big thing for next season. I think that's fair enough. Uh, I mean, we are starting to see less uh, of the political cold opens, like uh, which yeah, uh, which has been our big complaint for the longest time. Where it's like, oh, it's just another Fox News cold open or CNN or MSNBC. Right. I like the fact that they op- like uh, like the cold open for the last episode of Natasha Leone was. The old uh, Miss Rafferty sketch I thought was a surprise, and for the um, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, it was the Roe v. Wade, you know, Dark Ages sketch. I thought that was like a nice little twist. So I think yeah. they're yeah. starting to get away from that whole political cold open, or just find new ways yeah. to be political, and not just the uh, regular cable news format. Yeah, because I uh, if. I'm so sick of the political cold open where it's like, well, let's run through the top half dozen stories of the week. And I'm just like, no, just just pick something. <laughs> just pick one story and do a sketch about that. That's fine. You don't have to hit on every single thing that happened this week. Um, Absolutely. We we got uh, a little bit of Twitter feedback here. Uh, our friend uh, Boardman gets paid at uh, Lee Hot He Lion. Lee Hot Lion? Lee Hot Heel. He told us how to pronounce it, and we still. He told us, and I, I still cannot remember your your handle. So your boardman gets paid, um, yeah. <laughs> but he's he's our friend. He's a, he's a, a regular commenter on on the Twitter sphere, uh, and he says hello from Earth six one six. Oh, so he's writing for the Marvel Universe. Um, my favorite sketch was Orchestra with Lizzo. Favorite episode was Benedict Cumberbatch. Oscar Isaac ones. My rookie of the year is Sarah Slightly, or the COK cameo of the year is Freddie Gibbs. And then he puts in parentheses, if you know, you know. Uh, I know. I'm not sure if I know. I don't know. Uh, Freddie Gibbs, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a rapper. He was in okay. a sketch that got, that got cut for time uh, in one of the pre-tapes. I think it was. Ah, okay. Deep cut. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, uh. Well, yeah, this has a, been another cut. installment in this podcast recurring sketch. Darren explains black culture to John. So, <laughs> hope you enjoyed that. 
You're welcome, um, America. You're welcome. I learned a little something. I'll probably I'll probably forget it uh, soon, but <laughs> right That's now fine. I'm slightly more knowledgeable. Um, so Boardman gets paid. Continues. He says, "My most improved is Andrew Dismukes. Uh, my was really good this year, but low key at the same time was Heidi." And my MVP for this season is A.D. Bryant. I feel like every sketch she was in and she, she didn't cheat us, she was giving her effort every time and then gives a little peace sign. So, all right. Yep. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, Fair enough. That, maybe that's a good question to close out on. Who is your, who's your MVP of the season? Ooh. Oh, boy. Um, if you had to give the season to just one cast member, who would you give it to? Who impressed you the most off the top of your head? Oh, jeepers, creepers. Um, yeah. I'll, Dennis, you, you go first. I think I, <laughs> I think we might have the same one, but I'll let you go first. Uh, Sorry? <laughs> you bastard. Um, Actually, I can go if you need some time. I have one right off the rip. Uh, it's okay. the one that... Uh, you, Dennis, uh, you know, mentioned, uh, yeah, Chris Red. Like, I yep. think we've mm-hmm. we definitely seen an intake of his, uh, uptick of him in sketches. He's been in, you know, just, just doing his thing more and more, like either in the background or in the front. Like I, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, Dennis really kind of opened my eyes. Like, oh, yeah, Chris Red is really getting better yeah. and really stronger at this. And he's really, like, anchoring a lot of sketches like i would i'd, yeah. I'd give i'd give him i give it to him i'd give, give him his flowers chris read a solid he was there too i'm yes, I, i'm i'm gonna go with you yeah i i'd say red i'd say 80 is a close second but i i'd say red yeah um fair enough i am i'm tempted to make it a clean sweep for chris red um i mean you could also say I'm, cecily I'm, but she i mean she's always solid I'm I'm tempted to give it to Cecily for Goober the Clown alone, and you know I've mentioned this a couple weeks ago. She's she always kills when she's narrating like a fake commercial or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. That is going to leave such a void whenever she leaves. But I I expect Cecily to be wonderful by this point. So I would say the person who pleasantly surprised me the most with originality of the material how much she got integrated into the show and, and got her voice on the show. I think I have to say Sarah Sherman. She was probably the biggest, most pleasant surprise of the season Mm. for me. Um, I would not have guessed that she would do as well as she did, but yeah, she had a killer first year and, and James Austin Johnson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got to give a shout out to him because man, that, that dude killed it. And he is, he is such a solid cast member and i think he's going to be on the show for years to come yeah i mean yeah. just like right out the gate james austin johnson feels yeah. like a tenured like uh, a tenured cast yeah. member like a professional and sarah sherman she like you said like she's such a unique voice she came in doing something really smart where she came in doing something no one else on the cast can really do like right. and it read it, and it and it resonates with the people too like if you think about it like she's not really like any of the cast members. She's like her own thing. It's like she's so super yeah. new, unique, and she's the only one that can do it. And the audience really likes it. They really respond to her. So and so, I I think she's like solidified her place uh, for the future of SNL. Like she's really yeah. You know, th- this kid, this kid's going places. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think I think she's going to continue doing well for the show. James Austin Johnson, he feels like he's already been on the show for years. Andrew Dismukes, uh, we mentioned him before. He's got a unique voice that I think they're writing to him more. And I, I want to see him go places. I think he'll get more opportunities maybe with Pete not on the show anymore. You know, he'll, he'll play more young guys in sketches and sketches and get more of his unique stuff on. So I, I feel good about the future of the show. Me too. Same. Yeah. Same. Same. Okay. Well, this has been our SNL State of the Union. Um, <laughs> So uh, next week we're gonna we're gonna start in on our summer format where we're talking about SNL movies and TV shows and maybe interview some people behind the show. We're we're kind of figuring that all out right now. If you have suggestions, uh, come at us uh, on yes. the Twitter sphere at SNL Nerds Show and let us know what you think. Let us know what movies and projects you want to see us talk about over the course of the summer because we're. We got a lot of time to fill until September, October. Um, Not but time in our hands. Exactly. You can also follow us on our individual uh, Twitter pages. I'm at Trumbull Comic, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and the word comic. Darren, where can people find you? I'm uh, at Darren Credible on Twitter and Instagram. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. And you can follow us on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. And Mr. Mr. Dennis. Thank you ah, so mm-hmm. much for being on the, on her podcast with us. Oh, uh, please, anything, yeah, any, please, anything to plug, promote, please have at it. Yeah, where where can people find you online now? Uh, 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 Twitter, Dennis Perkins five, the number five. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who the other four Dennis Perkinses were, but you know, good luck to you. Um, and it's Dennis Perkins with two N's. Two in N's. Dennis. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm writing. Uh, you know, I ever since leaving the AV Club, uh, I, I guess I got a little comfy there, and I never really branched out. But I've been really lucky. Uh, you can find my stuff at places like uh, Pace Magazine, uh, Ultimate Classic Rock. Uh, oh yes, yeah. Entertainment You're Weekly, uh, IndieWire. I just had a, a piece go up. I, I had the the greatest uh, most surreal uh, interview of my life i got to i got to talk to joel hodgson from uh, mystery science theater oh, for peace oh uh, awesome he's for indie wire i'm very happy about so uh, and, and in case you were wondering uh he's a delight um that's that's but, uh, awesome i'm that's out great. there I'm, I'm pitching i'm i'm uh, i'm hustling i'm uh, writing about all kinds of weird stuff all right. Well, yeah. So check out all of uh, Dennis's going on goings on on uh, Twitter at Dennis with uh, two N's. Dennis Perkins five. And uh, oh, look at you! You got you got you got a nice follower count there, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just clicked on your page and I saw that and I was like, oh, look at that! Ten point eight k followers. Well, well, well. <laughs> Well, I mean, you you are going to get the SNL nerds bump because you are you are going to get a bump from our what is it uh, now? Uh, Four hundred thirty three followers. I think. Awesome. <laughs> we we had a little Twitter mishap this oh, this no. year. Yeah, but we're, we're we're coming back bigger and better and stronger, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't don't try to enter in a a birth date when if. You know, the page is not a person. That's all I'll say. (laughs) It doesn't end well for you. 
Live and learn. <laughs> Live and learn. It's a rebuilding year. <laughs> All right. So we will be back with our summer format where we uh, cover a fun SNL movie that we haven't decided on yet. But until then, nerds, nerds out. out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. 